Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. The show is being broadcast on 770-CHQR right here in Calgary and at Edmonton on 630-CHED. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day. But again, this is your opportunity to ask questions of the Premier, voice your concerns or raise any issues that you feel need to be addressed. Whatever's on your mind, you can speak with the Premier one-on-one. Just remember to keep it short and respectful because we have a lot of callers and a lot of texts. So uh, again, just keep that short and be patient. Uh, There are a lot of texts and a lot of phones. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. Those numbers in Calgary, 403-974-8255 at Edmonton, 780-496-0063. Across the province, 1-800-563-7770. My thanks to Kevin Usselman and Mike Tarasco for filling in while I was on vacation. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Great to, and great to see you back, Wayne. Now, the leadership vote results were announced during my absence. I'm not going to go into all of that, but uh, I, because I know that much of last week's show was spent addressing what you're going to be doing until your successor is chosen. Very quickly, though, what's the latest? There was some expectation that a leadership election committee would be announced by yesterday. Has that been done, and has a date been set for that election? Uh, yes and no. So yesterday, the elected board of the United Conservative Party announced the appointment of the members of what's called a leadership election committee, and they are then charged with getting together and laying out the rules and setting the date. So they'll start their work uh, in the next few days, and I expect them to uh, announce a date and some some of the uh, parameters uh, for the leadership election in probably the next uh, week or, or, or two. Is the focus on having that election sooner rather than later? Well, that would be up to them. Uh, I'm not going to put my finger on that scale. That's up to them. All right. Now, the message I heard from you after your decision to step down is that you're going to be continuing to work on maintaining stability and continuity in government. The wheels of government continue to turn. Uh, now, the issues this week, a uh, big one this week uh, for all Canadians, the Supreme Court of Canada decision overturning consecutive life sentences for multiple murderers. Your response to that? Yeah, I think this is, frankly, outrageous. I was uh, a member of the Harper government that brought in and passed a law for consecutive sentencing uh, for serious violent offenses. By consecutive, we mean uh, that if you go out there and commit five, uh, you, you murder five people, uh, that you don't get a volume discount and only get one concurrently served sentence. That's how it used to be. Uh, until the Harper government changed the law. Supreme Court has come in now on the case of the uh, murder of five people in a vile hate crime at the Quebec City Mosque and said that those lives, in terms of uh, penal sanctions, in terms of punishment, are only worth one. That one sentence can be conserved and uh, and, and then uh, the person can be released or apply for parole. And that then opens the door for a, a retroactive application of that new uh, Supreme Court principle to, for example, the murder of the three RCMP officers in New Brunswick and so on. Yes. So I, I, if I, you know, I'm not in the federal parliament anymore, uh, but uh, I agree with Stephen Harper, who said this yesterday, that the uh, government should respond, override this decision, speak for parliament and the people and invoke the notwithstanding clause uh, to do so. That's why the notwithstanding clause is in there. The Supreme Court did this because they claimed that it was necessary to maintain public confidence in the justice system, I think they're doing exactly the opposite. And I think elected, accountable people are in a much better position to understand uh, the what the public's expectations or sense of justice is, as opposed to uh, nine unelected members of the court. All right. 
Uh, the other big issue, of course, uh, fallout from COVID, and this is the health issue. You and the premiers of B.C., Saskatchewan, Yukon, and Northwest Territories uh, have asked the Trudeau government to increase funding for federal health transfers as part of an overall call to reform health care. The first part, uh, really not a, a new ask. What response do you expect in terms of, of the financing? Well, what we expect is the federal government to take this seriously. I mean, after the issue, the urgency of inflation, cost of living, unaffordability, that's, I think, the number one issue across the country. Now, the number two issue, and a close second, I believe, would be health care, and rightly so. Uh, we went into COVID across the country with long surgical wait times. We learned during COVID that the Canadian healthcare system was not fit for purpose. No. We ended up having, uh, in almost every province, running out of critical care space. Well, I think there was a, a Fraser Institute report a few years ago that said we have the highest health care expenditures among those developed countries that have some form of universal health care. And they used the example of Germany, which has more doctors, more hospital yeah. beds. Now, we have more nurses, but uh, they also have uh, much lower wait times. It's exactly right. Uh, Canada is at the towards the top of the developed world, the OECD countries, those are the developed countries, in terms of per capita health spending. Alberta is at the top of Canada. So we are one of the biggest spenders in the developed world for, with a, a publicly insured system. Uh, and yet, we have some of the worst results in terms of uh, diagnostic wait times, surgical wait times, uh, healthcare personnel, physicians, critical care beds, hospital beds generally. In the, de in the developed world amongst uh, those systems. So it's not acceptable. Now, it's not just a question of money, obviously, because we spend more and get less than a lot of those European countries. Sure. But money is important as well. And we are, the problems is we're putting out more and more while the federal share of health care continues to decline. It's down to 22%. It started out supposedly in the 60s. It was going to be 50%. So we in the provinces are saying, we'll meet you in the middle. Give us 35%, and that will help us to, to build up capacity, while he, at least here in Alberta, we're also committed to common sense reform. It's a complicated issue, and it's uh, not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, e even uh, Tommy Douglas uh, had his challenges getting uh, Medicare first introduced. Let's go to the phones, and we'll start with Marianne, because uh, Marianne's calling from Calgary. Uh, topic is uh, AHS spending cuts. Go ahead, Marianne. You're on with the Premier. Yes, good morning, sir. I appreciate you uh, putting the ear out and giving us a chance uh, to, to voice our concerns. My question is about AHS management. This has been brought up for many, many years and i'm not sure sir why there is absolutely no political will to cut ahs management if you could give severance packages early retirement there sir i believe would be your money for your nurses and your doctors and your ambulances for example why does one icu unit need four managers and I have a personal experience when I had to ride along with my dad uh, in an ambulance after he cut his foot. I was riding up front with the paramedic. We pulled up into the ambulance bay. Suddenly he stopped and backed out. And, sir, what sounds like a really bad joke, I asked him, well, what was the issue? Is something wrong? He said, no. <laughs> Get this, the light bulb was out in the light in the ambulance bay, and from the paramedic's mouth himself, he said it takes 16 managers to <laughs> sign off on a light bulb. <laughs> now, why can't we just try this, sir? Well, what, 
And I think the next successor would probably get a win if he went in and said, look, we are going to cut AHS management by half. They need to do more with less, like everybody else. Yeah. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you. Uh, you know, I hear what you're saying. I, th- I do think the paramedics comment was uh, an ironic sense of humor, a joke. But uh, you know, cheek, that's for sure. But, but often in those in those comments, there is a great a germ of Absolutely. truth for sure. And and I hear this from all the frontline people in the system. And, and I, you know, I remember meeting a nurse at a, a complex pregnancy unit in Calgary. And, and she couldn't understand why there was a manager with two admin assistants for a unit with 18 nurses. Well, like, aren't bureaucracies always uh, self-preservation? Yeah, mode? there there is. A, there's absolutely some truth in that. And there's always a tendency towards empire building uh, on, on the kind of the administrative side of bureaucracy. So, Marianne, thank you for raising it. You know, this is why we ran on a commitment to get into that issue by appointing an, an external expert to review uh, the spending at AHS, and um, we so we contracted Ernst & Young, which big global business consulting firm, uh, to do that. And they came back with to us in the fall of 2019, and they made recommendations on how we could save about upwards of $2 billion, about 10% of the health budget, reallocate that to frontline services. And we, we've gradually been doing that. It was interrupted partly by COVID. And, and within that, we added on top a 10% reduction in administrative and executive positions at Alberta Health Services. Uh, and the uh, president, uh, former president, uh, you, is... Uh, uh, was uh, her contract has has been uh, ended by the board, and where the board is now searching for a new president, and it's certainly our direction to have um, a president who will focus on pushing the the resources to the frontline workers. But I have to give you just some context. You could lay off everybody who is behind a computer at AHS, and and you would not make a sign a huge dent in the health budget. Like we're spending twenty two billion dollars, and you could lay off everybody who's an executive. And you'd still be spending upwards of $22 billion. So the, there is this, I think, urban legend out there that you could fix all the problems just by, you know, but it's just it's just not like the huge amount of money that goes into um, the system is is not, uh, you know, the, the, overall, overall the administration costs are a relatively small portion of that. All right. We're going to pause for a break right now. We've got more calls to get to, more texts when we come back. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you are listening to Premier Jason Kenney and your province, your premier. Welcome back. Your province, your premier airs every Saturday morning at this time from 10 until 11 throughout Alberta here on 770 CHQR in Calgary and in Edmonton on 630 Chet. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and it's your opportunity to voice your concerns, address issues you feel are important, to speak with the premier one-on-one. All right, let's go right to the phones. Justin has been holding on, I think, since the program started. Justin, uh, calling from Edmonton regarding the Policing Act. Go ahead, Justin. You're on with the premier. Good morning, Premier Kenny. Hello, Justin. Hi, I, I, hi. I do have a question regarding the safety in Chinatown. Thank you for invoking the permit. Thank you for the. Thank you to the province of Alberta for invoking the provincial police act. I want to know what more we can do to to go after these drug pushers uh, that are, and because our city council is unfortunately taking, and our federal government is unfortunately taking a soft on drugs approach, and we need to do more to to counter the flow of the uh, the. Uh, as a drug, so we can yeah. make anything unsafe. Thank you, uh, Justin. The situation with violent crime in downtown Edmonton, particularly, is uh, just appalling, and it's run out of control. Um, with particularly at places like LRT site, uh, uh, transit stops uh, and stations, 
That's why Minister Shandro used his power under the Alberta Policing Act to direct the city uh, to develop a public safety plan to address this uh, urgent need, uh, and he announcing that yesterday. Um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, Justin. This is this situation is not made better by the federal government. Uh, opening back the revolving door on sentencing, they and the courts have struck down all of Stephen Harper's government, all of the Harper government's uh, strengthening of the criminal justice system to ensure uh, ma- mandatory minimum custodial sentences for serious repeat offenders, uh, in- including for drug traffickers. And moreover, you know what you've now got Edmonton Council apparently pushing for legalization. Uh, not just of simple possession, but also of trafficking. And that kind of thing creates the sort of law-free zone that we've seen in places like Portland and, frankly, the east side of Vancouver, San Francisco, and elsewhere, which just leads to a constant uh, uh, slippery slope of of, uh, of antisocial and criminal uh, conduct. And finally, you, you're right, Justin, you talk about the drugs coming in. We know where a lot of this stuff is coming from. We know that a lot of the constituent elements of, of fentanyl and carfentanyl it are, is produced in black market factories, uh, often in China, often transshipped through Mexico and the United States. Why isn't the federal government focused on uh, board increasing resources for border interdiction of these products? So these are some of the things uh, that, uh, that, that must be done uh, to address uh, this growing crime crisis. Premier Kennedy, a text message from Edmonton. Uh, it says, hi, abolish the Young Offenders Act and B... Universal dental plans, for starters, uh, ends with useless laws weaken the necessary laws. Well, the Young Offenders Act actually was uh, basically abolished 20-some years ago. And I know that people don't remember that, but it it was substantially changed. And and a lot of the mistakes, or a lot of the stupid things we remember from it 25 and 30 years ago have been taken out of the law. But I, I just warn you that every time Parliament tries to bring some common sense back to justice laws like that, we often have the courts then subsequently chip holes in it. And so that's what we saw yesterday at the Supreme Court with the sentencing decision on the Quebec mosque murders. And in terms of uh, the, the dental care... Uh, universal dental plans. Well, um, you know, there is... In Alberta, we do provide insurance for, for low-income people uh, who can't afford their own insurance. Uh, the feds are now proposing something, but they can't really implement that without cooperating with the provinces. And, and let me just say this. If there's any extra federal money for, for health care broadly, we need as provinces to put that on our priorities. And I would say right now, that's things like surgical wait times. All right. Uh, Don, uh, Northeast Alberta, calling regarding federal prison sentencing. Don, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hi, J- Hi Jason. Um, um, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, I really appreciate the fact that uh, you're still doing this uh, radio program, even though you're planning on retiring here. Um, the thing is, is how, how does the federal government just turn around and say, "Hey, uh, you get a you get a one for twenty or one for thirty or one for"? It's it's just absolutely insane that that you know what you went into a mosque you did whatever you went into wherever and did whatever and uh, now all of a sudden oh well we'll just let you out on good behavior like that's insane it is anyway that that's my question yeah I, I, like, you know what uh, Don I think you nailed it and as I said earlier the court's ruling based to to just boil it right down they said that. The idea of consecutive sentencing, that if you commit five murders, you serve five sentences, 
uh, violated the public's sense of justice and would undermine public confidence in the justice system. Uh, you know, this is the problem when when judges put themselves in the position of trying to interpret public opinion. That is not their job. They're not equipped to do that. Quite frankly, I mean, I, I respect people who serve on the bench and we respect their independence uh, but and, and their expertise. But they are probably the people least well positioned to make a judgment about what the public thinks. Th- those folks who are elected have to go back every three or four years and face the voters know what uh, folks on Main Street think and what our public sense of justice is. And I don't, I don't know a single Canadian who believes that if you commit five cold-blooded first-degree murders, you should only get one sentence for it. To the texts, uh, change of topic now. Uh, will the Conservative government commence the creation of an Alberta pension plan before the next election? This from Jeff in Calgary. Well, that'll be up to the next premier and her, his or her government to decide. Uh, I am a big believer in it. Uh, and I can tell you that we've done a huge amount of research. It is not a simple, straightforward bumper sticker issue. It is a big, complex uh, issue, both legally, um, fiscally, uh, in, in actuarial terms, technical terms. But look, because Alberta has had a younger population than the rest of Canada for the last several decades and a larger share of our population in the workforce paying taxes and a smaller percentage who are retired receiving benefits, you add all of that up and Alberta gets a huge, huge portion of the money saved in the Canada pension plan. And if we could repatriate that like Quebec we could significantly reduce CPP payroll taxes for both workers and employers, and we could improve benefits for retirees, and we could probably also add a bit of a bonus to some of the boomers who are still in the workforce to make sure they benefit as well. And, uh, and so you put all that together, and you would have a huge uh, economic advantage for Alberta, people paying less taxes, getting better benefits, Reaping, and this, and by the way, Wayne, this, you know, we talk about the 20 billion net that we as taxpayers contribute to the rest of Canada in our net fiscal transfer. The single biggest piece that we could pull out of unilaterally, according to the CPP legislation, is the Canada Pension Plan. So I hope that my successor will take that very seriously. All right. We're going to go to the uh, text one more time and then two more phone calls uh, regarding health care. And the text message, uh, this one, I'm not sure who it's from. Uh, When will the mandates drop for AHS new hires? Mandates. I think the reference is to uh, vaccines and Look, uh, my understanding is that there's always been an expectation that people getting hired in the healthcare system uh, have relevant ma- vaccines, for example, for measles, mumps, and rubella, uh, amongst other things. And uh, so it, it's, it's not surprising to me that if you're going to work in a clinical healthcare setting, that would be a, a standard expectation as a term of employment. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that's something I, I assume that AHS will continue to, to monitor. All right. Aaron is calling in from Lethbridge uh, on health care staffing. Go ahead, Aaron. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, Premier. Uh, so my question is a little bit just like the last text, um, but just to elaborate a little bit. Um, last year, uh, the pandemic's going on. There was a mandatory vaccine, COVID vaccine requirement for all AHS staff. Um, the province stepped in and because of staffing shortages allowed staff to test and then continue working. Right. Currently there is a COVID vaccine mandate for all new hires and contract providers throughout the province. So you've been very uh, um, advocated for 
healthcare spending and fixing the healthcare system. Staffing is one piece of that. Um, it would seem to me, you know, people coming out of school who have not been vaccinated for COVID will be punished by not being able to get a job in Alberta or having attracted people from other provinces to Alberta. We get rid of that mandate. We can, you know, enforce our healthcare system and have people working. Why are we punishing people for not having a COVID vaccine? Well, uh, the the policy here, I think, is similar to the one for measles, mumps, and rubella, as I understand it. Uh, And uh, it's, I understand, it's a longstanding tradition in the health system that long predates COVID, that that has that expectation. I I will just say this, that um, we have received, uh, AHS has received proof of vaccination from uh, 99.8% of the physicians, the 10,000 physicians that work in Alberta, and I believe it's 98.7% of nurses. Um, and so I, uh, I'm, I doubt that there is, uh, anything less than a fraction of a percent of, of new graduates of, uh, for example, nursing and medical schools who are opposed to vaccines. All right. Uh, text message, uh, in Ontario, if you're over 60, you can receive your fourth COVID vaccination. Would your government please lower the age limit for us vulnerable Albertans? That's a text message from Calgary. Lower the age eligibility for... It says vulnerable Albertans. Uh, which program? Uh, fourth COVID vaccination. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that part. So the answer is uh, we will do that if and when we get advice from the National and Alberta Advisory Committees on Immunization. Uh, but, you know, we don't improvise uh, vaccine policy. We listen to the scientific experts on that, and, and we've not yet received that advice. All right. Rory is calling from Edmonton. Uh, let me get the right button pushed. All right. Rory, you're on with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, thank you, Wayne. And also, thank you, Jason Thomas. Kenny, how are you? Good, I thanks. just wanted to know, is, do you think uh, that on the uh, Ukrainian file, you could appoint former MP and fellow uh, Harper MP, uh, Peter Goldring and uh, his wife as special ambassadors on the file because he did a lot for setting up a uh, democracy and making sure that they, uh, he did, what, 10 or 12 trips on his own dime in addition to several as a backbench MP and got things straightened out there and made sure the election was run clean after the first dirty election uh, 10, 12 years ago. And uh, I think he would do a lot to get the emergency set up and it would be a special advisor, uh, diplomat in there, and him and his wife, and his wife is Ukrainian heritage. Yeah. And I think it would be a really good idea. Well, I, I know, of course, I served in Parliament uh, with Peter and uh, know them very well and, his, and their passion for Ukraine. And, and thanks for raising that. We do have an Alberta-Ukrainian Advisory Committee. It's chaired by Vegreville, Fort Saskatchewan, MLA Jackie armstrong Hamanyuk, and it has a, a good board made up of reps of the Ukrainian community. They provided very helpful advice on how Alberta's response to the crisis as well as our uh, forthcoming settlement of displaced Ukrainian people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I will suggest to Jackie, Peter would be a great candidate for that board. Um, I, uh, you know, we don't we don't have the capacity right now to set up, we, we don't have an uh, Alberta office in Ukraine. But I think the immediate thing for us to focus on is doing everything we can to make sure that the Ukrainians arriving here uh, have a good uh, support that they need and a good beginning my hope is that for the Ukrainians coming here, that this will just be a temporary thing and they can go home and rebuild their country. That's one sensitive point. I don't want us creating a huge magnet for the depopulation of Ukraine, because I think Vladimir Putin would love to see that. And we are providing more support than any province uh, to Ukraine. Uh, $13 million um, 
in support for non-lethal military equipment plus humanitarian relief. Uh, plus, we've given, I think it's uh, $300,000 to the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, Alberta Provincial Chapter, to build their capacity as they welcome newcomers. Text message now. Premier Kenny, this is from uh, Lorraine, uh, texting us from 630. Ched, Premier Kenny, when will the Alberta government reinstate front license plates? We live in a rural area, so it's easy for criminals to drive into our yards and back out again without our being able to get a plate number and report the perpetrator. Boy, that's the first time I've heard that. I, I thought it was a sensible cost saving to to re- remove the uh, the front plates a few years back. But uh, photo radar always gets you when you go past and they get your rear. That's plate. it. That's why they like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for for liking that. We're always looking for good ideas about how to combat the rural property crime problem. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pass that on to our uh, minister for transportation. All right. Uh, Sturgeon County, Graydon has been on hold for some time. Uh, Graydon has a question about uh, electricity. Uh, go ahead, Graydon. wasn't electricity. It was about the election in Ontario. Oh, you know what? I'm My eyes are, there we go. Uh, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> There's a difference between electricity and election. Yes, it's the the way that the letters are uh, transposed there. I made that mistake. Go ahead. Anyway, I'd like to have uh, Jason Kenney's opinion on the Ontario campaign. I think Dougie's going to win again. Yeah, it's it's looking like that. Uh, I I shouldn't be on this show as a political pundit. That's not my job. But uh, I'll just be blunt, though. I do hope that Doug Ford and his government does get reelected because they've been good friends to Alberta. They joined us in our constitutional challenge of the carbon tax, in our constitutional challenge of the no more pipelines law, Bill C-69, that we just won at the appeal court. They passed a law to support uh, pipelines going through Ontario. Uh, they've been big supporters of our energy industry. They supported our call for equalization reform, reform to the fiscal stabilization program. So Doug has been a very good friend to Alberta, and I, I think he's going to do well, and I wish him well. All right. Uh, Tim is calling from Calgary. Uh, staff rehiring. And I think I've re- I'm reading that one correctly, aren't I, Tim? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Okay, very good. Uh, good morning, Premier. Uh, just on a note uh, um, in regards to uh, the Ukraine, uh, I, this is a side note for my question. I just had the the very very rewarding experience of being able to help some people that have come here from ukraine awesome uh, they landed here uh, and by accident uh, they were lost looking for an airbnb and i started guiding them wow they they've been uh, very very fortunate they've found a couple uh, great opportunities and uh, they're very grateful amazing um, but they they worry about their home yeah my question to you uh, premier is um you know, during the uh, the campaign here for the uh, the vote for the yes no uh, as to you continuing, a uh, significant number of your uh, I'll preface that with I'm a conservatarian. Uh, <laughs> the a significant number of your staff and uh, high paid uh, individuals took leaves of absence in order to work with you on that. Um, I recognize that uh, they weren't getting paid during that. Um, but two things, uh, government still functions, and, uh, now I'm wondering, have they been rehired? And if so, why? Because that's a lot of money. I, I've read through your chief of staff's contract. Uh, I'm not one that just sits on Twitter. I actually do my own research 
and I look at the significant values there, uh, including all the benefits and, and everything that goes on, and there's a lot of money there. I'd like to know how we functioned without them gone, and have they been rehired? Uh, sure. Uh, fair question. So, uh, but just one correction. It wasn't a significant number. We've got about 30 uh, political st- staff in the premier's office, um, that many of whom basically do uh, not like political strategy or things like that. They basically do uh, day-to-day functions like um, uh, the paper flow into my office and uh, working with the public service on, on policy development, uh, my schedule and tour, things like that. Uh, but it was only two people out of the 30 who took a temporary leave. Uh, so, you know, 95% of the staff remained intact. And uh, those two folks, just for a few weeks, uh, they were completely unpaid by, they, they received no government compensation, and they're back on uh, with the government. Now, that's there's nothing unusual about that. I mean, after all, when an actual election campaign comes along, uh, all of the political staff take an unpaid leave, and they go and work uh, for government, or the contract ends. So, um, you know... Uh, that's, that's the normal way this is done. We did it that way to make sure that they were not spending any uh, time compensated by the taxpayer doing party work. All right. Uh, text message from Edmonton. Mr. Premier, why are rural Albertans not being allowed access to LTC in Edmonton, if that is their choice? Are we not one AHS? We are not being allowed a temporary placement in Edmonton because they are not permitting out-of-zone placements. Who can help us? AHS is basically forcing us to take a rural placement that is not one of our options. Hope you can help connect us. Technology should not prevent Albertans from access. Yeah, uh, good point. And what, that's one of the reasons that we're expanding our investment in broadband internet. We've put together a package between ourselves, the feds, the private sector, that will probably get to up, upwards of a billion dollars to get 98% of Alberta homes and communities to reliable broad, broadband that will improve rural uh, access to... Um, uh, to uh, on- online health services as well. All right, phone call now. Uh, who's been on the longest is uh, Shane calling from Edmonton, federal travel ban. Go ahead, Shane. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hey, Mr. Kenny. I just want to first thank you for your serving us so admirably over these last years. Thank you, Shane. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm calling because I'm really... I'm from New Brunswick. I live in Edmonton. I have aging grandparents. They're in their 90s now. I this is going to be the third year now when I'm not allowed to go home and see my my whole family is in New Brunswick. Okay, I I, I don't understand why people can get together, eighteen thousand of them in Edmonton and Calgary, vaccinated and unvaccinated, screaming and yelling and applauding at the hockey game, but I still cannot get on an airplane in my own country. Like if international travel, I understand other countries have sovereign borders; they can make whatever rules they want. Mm-hmm. But I feel that I should be able to go home. And I know this is a federal jurisdiction, but what I'm looking for is just uh, if you've heard anything, if this is coming to an end, if it's going to come to an end, any information yeah. you might be able to pass along. Yeah, thanks, Shane. I agree with you. Uh, that's why Alberta's legislature passed a government motion in April calling on the feds to drop this pointless uh, vaccine mandate. And there's no evidence that it's reducing uh, transmission or that there's ever been significant transmission associated with air travel. I think a lot of people don't understand the way those airplane those those airplanes, uh, particularly more modern aircraft, are constructed. There's very positive uh, downward airflow and and uh, HEPA air filters. Uh, so we've seen uh, a pretty good record in the aviation industry for avoiding um, the flights that are so-called super spreaders. And 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 I don't know of any other major jurisdiction in the world that has a vaccine mandate to board a plane. 
Uh, so I agree with you. Now, in terms of what information I've heard, I did speak to a senior federal minister about two, three weeks ago on this, and I was given to believe that they would they, they were looking at lifting that sometime soon, but we still haven't they still haven't made that decision, which I think is really unfortunate. Text message now. This is from Ibrahim uh, call, uh, texting from Brooks. He says, uh, what? Uh, hang on here. Uh, what is being done to protect tenants from slumlords in Alberta? He says, most of the rental properties in, the, in that town are in horrible condition. Mold, improperly sealed windows, furnaces that have not been cleaned for close to a decade. He says, those are only a few of the issues. No one is addressing the issue, and they would love to hear what you have to say. Uh, on, sorry, I didn't on hear, the, I didn't on hear the, you uh, for a second. On one. the poor uh, condition of rental properties in yeah. Brooks. In Brooks, in particular. Well, yes. uh, I, I think that would be something to take to the uh, municipal government there um, we, that uh, is responsible for to make sure that, that housing is up to, to zone and, and that, you, of course, if there's a public health aspect, it could be Alberta Health Services if there's you know, I don't know, cockroaches or something like that. Uh, there are different places, uh, different regulatory bodies to which you can make a complaint. But um, yeah, I mean, this is why we need a competitive housing industry because if a landlord is treating people poorly, uh, people need a choice to be able to get out of that situation. And there's also the Landlord Tenancy uh, Act with a number of uh, uh, links to various sites on that. Right. Okay, uh, back to health care issues. Uh, Lynn is calling from Calgary. Uh, wait times. Go ahead, Lynn. Oh, good morning. I'm calling because I just retired as a community care nurse, and I have some major concerns about our health care system. Uh, when I started, we used to see four to six uh, patients every day, and now when I left, we saw one or two because it would take an hour to see a patient to admit them, three hours to do the paperwork. So now I think we should be called IT nurses um, because Mm. that seems to be the focus. But no other teams can even access this information. So that's one huge issue. The second one is I have a granddaughter who is a teenager, was almost killed in a crash a couple years ago. She spent months in the hospital, had a stroke, uh, has brain damage. Once she was discharged, um, they're totally on their own. Any rehab she gets, they have to pay for Uh, There's an eight-month wait to see a psychiatrist for her depression, Hmm. her post-traumatic stress, etc. I'm wondering, is anyone looking at the efficiencies in the system and the waste of time? Uh, Thank you for the the question, and and thank you for your service in the healthcare system. Uh, Lynn, I appreciate that. You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when we came into office, we did... uh, a contract, Ernst, uh, sorry, yeah, Ernst and Young, to do a comprehensive uh, study of waste at AHS to identify where they could find savings, especially in administration. And they did identify about two billion dollars of uh, spending that could be better uh, allocated. And uh, we started the work on that, but of course, a lot of it was interrupted by COVID when the whole system got focused on dealing with that crisis. So we're coming back, our Department of Health is coming back to a number of those recommendations. Uh, And I just encourage people who have frontline experience like yourself to share those ideas. Um, because, and I know this summer our Minister of Health, Jason Copping, is going to be doing a summer tour, basically a listening tour, especially to listen to frontline health uh, staff, both current and and retired, uh, to to get a a sense of of the practical problems that are resulting in 
the issues that you've raised. So thank you for, for highlighting some of those problems. Premier Kenny, we're going to pause for a break right now. If you have questions for the Premier, if you have concerns or issues you feel need to be addressed, you can phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary and Edmonton, the number 780-496-0063 and right across the province, 1-800-563-7770. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier, broadcast throughout the province every Saturday morning from 10 until 11, right here in Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Ched. We're going to go right to the phone lines, and we're going to start with uh, Sheldon calling from Nanton. Go ahead, Sheldon. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, sir. My question is, my doctor told me that I was allowed one free medical per year. So I'm wondering why I have to pay for a driver's medical, which is the only medical that I get. Hello? Yes. So, sorry, Sheldon. My mic wasn't on. So, oh. uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I doctors are compensated by AHS to provide mes- medically necessary services. And um, I think uh, if you, you're absolutely, you get a, a physical checkup within that with your family physician or at a walk-in clinic, for example. So I, I'm not clear what the particular constraint is for a driver's license, uh, but that has been raised in one of these calls earlier. And the, thank you for flagging that. I'd like to get, I'll get more information on that. Yeah, I think that once you, if you have beyond a, a class five, uh, which is standard passenger, I think you have to have uh, medical, especially if you're driving passengers like school bus, right. class one. Um, and then once you hit a certain age, I think as well, uh, medicals are required. So perhaps that's what he's referring to. Uh, let's go to uh, John from Monteville. Go ahead, John. Premier Kenny, uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking the call, and uh, thanks for your service. Uh, your concern with the people of this province is evident. Thank you, John. I, uh, I've been giving some thought to uh, this uh, perfect storm we've been in for the last three years and the cost that's going on to seniors, uh, being one myself, uh, and the school taxes that are attached to your resident uh, bill uh, every year. It would serve a possible consideration to maybe create an exemption for seniors uh, once they reach the age of 65. I've been paying school taxes for 47 years. Uh, raise my kids, raise my grandkids put them through school, post-secondary, and I'm still paying taxes. That $1,000 round figure a year uh, going to school taxes would really help the seniors stay in the residence that they want to stay in, uh, keep the strain off of the health care, and assist them by diverting those costs to the users, which we all did for, in my case, 47 years. Mm-hmm wondering if that would be something the government might be able to consider. Well, thank you, John. I, I, it's memory, if memory serves me correctly, I think Alberta did that way back until about 1993, uh, when that was taken out during all of the, the cuts of the Klein government era to because of the province's finances. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not, because I'm only in this position for uh, a, a short period of time, I'm not going to be here to improvise policy on that but it's uh i do acknowledge 
that seniors are bearing the brunt of the cost of living crisis because uh, at least a lot of workers are going to see some wage inflation, but uh, a lot of seniors are not going to see their benefits um, catch up with the skyrocketing 35-year high in inflation. So I'm sensitive to that, and we are considering perhaps some other, at least short-term measures to uh, support seniors, uh, because as you know, we did this uh, pause on the provincial fuel tax, but I acknowledge a lot of seniors don't drive very much, won't benefit much from that directly. So uh, we are considering whether there's other ways we could provide some short-term assistance to seniors coping with the high cost of living. Text message from Christine in Consort. Uh, very thankful for new legislation, Mr. Kenny, that allows for opting out of union dues for non-union duties. Will there be a time when someone can voluntarily leave a union when the site is unionized, but you feel the union is letting you down as a worker? Well, that would, I think what she's describing there would be what you generally call uh, right-to-work legislation. And all of the legal advice that we have received is that kind of legislation would be found unconstitutional by the courts, which in the last uh, 15 years or so have significantly expanded uh, uh, the... uh, the the limitations on government with respect to collective bargaining. So I I support the principle of collective bargaining, that workers should be able to organize and represent their interests. Uh, But I do think uh, we need greater transparency, uh, particularly with with some of the big government unions. I mean, I know a lot of people in government unions who feel like their dues have been taken to be spent on political campaigns that they do not agree with, which is why we passed that law, allowing you as a member uh, to uh, say no to misdirecting your dues uh, to political action, action as opposed to uh, collective bargaining. All right. Jim is calling from Calgary regarding uh, the United Conservative Party. Go ahead, Jim. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hey, Premier Kenny. Hello. Um, as you look back, and, and, and you probably encountered many armchair quarterbacks like myself, <laughs> but as, as you look back and think now, and... and uh, and looking at Pierre Polyev and putting some clear direction, I think, and clear branding and, and, and vision to the, the, the federal conservative party, do you look back now and think that maybe bringing in the wild rose and trying to unite, would, have been, would you have been better off to just kind of go with your own full set of candidates? Because it seems like I, many of the people I talk to see the UCP fracturing down, and I don't think it's your fault. I don't think it's anybody's fault. I just think it just seems to be that there's such this diverse set of political wants and needs yeah. through conservatism that it just it, it, it can't the liberals know what they want liberals want a government that'll spend money with no re, re, uh, with no conse- thought of the consequences yeah. you spend money you get voted but over in the conservative side we have a broad range yeah. of, of, of that and looking back and we'll give some time to answer do you see what do you see there? It, it's still going to be a problem even for the next leader, yeah. Jason. That's a, those are very good and fair questions, Jim. Um, because if you think about it, the which the conservative movement or people kind of right of center in Alberta have ha- been divided in one way or another since um, Ralph Klein was taken down as leader in two thousand and four after having won uh, four majority governments. And the PCs cycled through four leaders and the separate parties split out. But we've always had in Alberta, we've always had two or three hard right or alt right parties out there, even at the height of Klein and Lockheed's popularity. And now the thing is, they weren't. Uh, they weren't a threat because they were only getting a few percentage of the vote. They might every now and then elect a rural MLA. But there's no doubt that in Alberta's political culture, there is that kind of 
uh, crew that prefer to inhabit a political pup tent as opposed to a big tent. Yeah, and you and I discussed this on our very first show. Is the big tent too big? Well, uh, we'll see. All right. I worked hard uh, to, to, to create this party, got endorsed by 95% of both Wild Rose and PC members. And my advice to uh, the broad party membership is you've got to be able to put a little bit of water in your wine. You can't, you get your say, but you don't always get your way. And, and, and that means you, you've got, actually got to be prepared to make some compromises. And because if, it's an, if you bring into politics an absolutist approach, you will never be satisfied. And that's the way of disunity. I hope we'll learn that lesson. All right. One quick question from the text line before we go. Would the Premier think of finishing his degree at Athabasca U like Premier Ralph? It would be great PR. This one from Dale. Yeah. yeah. Well, why, why not? I'll take a look at that. All right. Premier Kenny, once again, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. We'll do this again next Saturday. Thanks a lot, Wayne. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you have been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.